So open up to the Gospel of John. And we want to look at this topic of behold your mother. It comes in a very interesting spot. It comes in the Gospel of John when Jesus Christ was on the cross. And so if you found the Gospel of John, I would encourage you to turn to chapter 19. And I'm going to start at verse 16. It says, So they took Jesus, and Jesus went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. They were there and they crucified him with the others, uh, two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate wrote also on an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered him, What I have written, I have written. And when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garment and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless. Woven in one piece from top to bottom. I need to stop there and remind us. Many scholars believe that this tunic was made by Jesus' mom himself. And John goes into great detail to show the love and compassion that Jesus' mom had for him. But also the pain that she was feeling at that moment. And they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. And this was to fulfill scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, or Jesus' aunt, and probably that's John's mom, Mary, the, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, the, the sinner who was forgiven by Jesus. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. This morning, we need to see very clearly that in the midst of Jesus' darkest hour, in the midst of his mom's darkest hour, we see the care. And the compassion and the servanthood of Jesus Christ. We see him there as a suffering servant 
who is not focused in on his own crucifixion and his own death. His eyes are squarely on his mother. Now I'm sure you've all heard, but I think we would be missing something if we were not reminded of the suffering of Jesus at this moment. The crucifixion came with a lot of pain and suffering. And they would lash them and they created these whips that had broken glass, bones, stones, whatever it was with sharp objects. And they would whip Jesus as they were getting ready to take him to the cross. And they would whip him and the desire was to to rip the flesh off the back. And that the stone or the glass would get into the flesh and just rip the flesh. And the goal was to get them to the point that they suffered so much, not that they were dead yet, but they were in so much pain they wanted to die. And after they had whipped them, they put them on the cross. A lot of times we think the nail went through the hands, but more likely the nails went right through the wrist. And they would put a step there so the person could still lift up in the midst of their pain and their suffering. And as Jesus was there, obviously like everybody that was crucified, they wanted to die. In fact, most people did not die from the crucifixion of the cross. They basically let themselves die because they were in so much pain and they were in so much agony. And Jesus is just remarkable at the cross. First he tells the people who are crucifying them, he asks and he prays for them and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And then he looks over at one who's right next to him and he says, today you will be in paradise. But I believe this one When he says, behold your mother, even though it seems odd and unusual, this one is filled with compassion. It is filled with tenderness. It's showing us not only the heart of a Savior, but the heart of our God. And it's very interesting to see at the cross, there are so many women. Only John is there. The rest of the disciples had fleed. They were gone. They had fled the scene. They were no longer there. But there was women. Women who probably supported the ministry of Jesus. Women who loved Jesus. Women who had understood for the first time that this God-man, this Messiah, he cares about them and he respects them. And he values them. And what we all need to see this morning on Mother's Day, it is at the cross. And the closer we get to the cross is where we figure out what our calling is. What our responsibilities are. What God wants from us and expects from us. And so if you struggle in your relationship, maybe with your mom, 
maybe with your wife, or maybe you're just struggling in a relationship this morning, let me tell you that the way to understand your responsibility in that relationship is to go to the cross. And Jesus says, behold your mom. He's telling John that there is going to be a transition from just being my best friend. In all likelihood, John was his cousin. You're no longer just my best friend. You're no longer my cousin. You're going to be like a a brother to me. You're going to take care of my mom. And if we had time to develop the story, we need to look at where's Jesus' own brother's? And it tells us something that probably Jesus' brothers, they weren't believers. We know that James later became a believer and he wrote the book of James. But Jesus, in the midst of the loneliness and pain that he was experiencing on the cross, he looks at John and he says, I want you To treat my mother with care and compassion and respect and security. And I want you to love her in the midst of her pain right now. And at her weakest moment. And the text says from that moment, immediate obedience. John took her into his home. This morning, I thought that we should try to put some practical legs and some hands and feet on this Behold Your Mother. And so, I want to look at five ways that we can behold our mother. We can love our mother and care for her and respect her. And just like some of us, and I know in my situation, I don't have... A mother anymore. I don't have a mother-in-law. I don't have a stepmother. I don't have a grandma. I don't have that anymore. But that doesn't mean I'm off the hook. Obviously, I'm married to Michelle, and she's the mother of our children, but I think it goes beyond that even. And so if you would, let's think of some practical ways. And here's the first one, is we need to take special care of them. We need to take special care of them. And if you have a program this morning, you can take some notes as we go through these points. In Matthew 15, and we don't need to turn there this morning, Jesus confronts the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law. And he says something to them. He says, you're more concerned about your rules, your traditions, Your ideas of what you think is right. But let me tell you, your heart is not right. And in Matthew 15, Jesus takes the law, the Ten Commandments, and he highlights one of them. He says, you religious leaders, you religious people who think that you got righteousness figured out, you don't because... You don't honor your father and your mother. You see, there was a rule there 
And we play this rule in a lot of different ways in our society today. But there was a rule there that basically said, if your mom and dad are in need, especially of financial need, you're off the hook if you give to another source or you give to someone else or you give to the temple. And so you, you're sort of void of that responsibility. And Jesus is saying, time out. You see, what honor your mother and father really meant was to take care of them financially in their older age. That's why when you read the New Testament, taking care of your parents was the way that you showed honor and respect for them. I bet you I'd be a really, really rich man if over the years I've heard so many people say to me, you know, Pastor Mark, I would take care of my mom or I'd take care of my dad. But you know what? They, they live far away. Or I, I'm too busy right now at work. Or I have to take care of my own children. And what Jesus is saying is that we need to take special care of the women in our lives. We need to take care of mothers. And even if that person is not our mother, I believe scripture is saying that we as Christ followers, we need to be on the lookout. And we need to be looking out on ways we can show care and compassion. Just in this context alone, Obviously, Mary is grieving, and she was going to be going through a lot of grief. She was going to lose her son, and she was watching her son die a most horrible death. And Jesus is saying to John, take care of her. And I'm quite confident that in the context that everybody knew when Jesus was saying, behold your mother... There was some financial considerations going on. That we need to take care of our parents financially. Now again, I know in our society that just sounds so radical. It sounds so different. Because we look at it, we, we're going to get an inheritance from our parents. That's the way we tend to look at it. Our parents are there to provide for us. Scripturally, that's not the way it was. It was rather we need to take care of our parents. And when it comes to care, I don't think it's just financial today. It's relational and it's spiritual. I see a lot of ladies, older ladies, who have lost their husband. And they're lonely. They're needing companionship. They're needing relationship. They're needing somebody to come alongside them. And I believe what Jesus is teaching us is that we, obviously, if they're our parents, we need to be there for them relationally and spiritually. But we need to be there. And we need to care for them. And we need to encourage them. Here's the second truth that I believe is very practical for mothers and showing that mothers matter. We need to pray for them daily. 
It's interesting, Jesus' brother, James, who wasn't there at the cross, he took so many great principles that his brother modeled. And the one that he wanted to communicate to us in the church was we need to pray for one another. Earlier he said we need to confess our sins to one another. Here he's saying we need to pray for one another. And we need to pray for one another daily. I believe we need to be in prayer for our mothers. Any mothers out there who need prayer? Any? Come on. I've, I've learned a lot over the course of the years of doing ministry. And one of the things that I've learned, that in our society today, we think, oh, you know, parenting the terrible twos, you know, that's very difficult. And then you get to the teenage years, and you're like, oh, that's really difficult. And then you get to the empty nest, and you realize there is no empty nest, right? And then it gets harder and harder and harder. And some of my friends who are older than me, they say, Mark, parenting gets so much older as your kids get older. Because now you're not only concerned about them, you're concerned about their spouse. You're concerned about your grandchildren. We need to be praying continually for mothers. You may be asking, well, what do we need to be praying for? We need to be praying for, their, for them to have strength. Mothers need strength. They need love. For some of them, they need hope. Some of them need perspective. Some of them need to understand that God is with them. That God hasn't forgotten them. There's a lot of mothers that are single mothers. There's some mothers that are parenting, and they might as well be single mothers because the dad is present, but he's not really present. And so we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying for them spiritually, emotionally, relationally. We need to be praying for their emotional health. Whenever I think about praying and praying for my mom, I think about the many times my mom asked me to go down to the state house. And my mom was a state representative, as I've shared before, and she would ask me to go down there and pray. And, uh, and you know, she would always get nervous because she didn't know what I was going to pray. And she always like, Mark, you know there's rules here, you know. You, you can't preach to them. You just got to pray. And the more generic the prayer, probably the better, so we don't get in trouble. And, you know, I was like, Mom, don't worry about it. I can preach and pray at the same time. And you know what? We need to continually be praying at the same time. You see, it didn't matter whether I'm, right now, I, a lot of times when I'm up here, I am praying for you while I'm preaching. What I want you to do is when you or even sitting at the table today and your mom's there or another mother's there, say a prayer for them. You don't have to, to say, oh, time out, mom, I want to pray for you. Pray for them. The scripture says over and over again, we pray without ceasing. And the way that I'm starting to learn is that we pray when somebody comes to our mind. And when you see a mother, maybe it's at the mall or maybe at the store, you need to pray for her if she's struggling. If a mother looks like she's got it all together, maybe she's just got a lucky day going on. But continue to pray for her. And for the mothers in our church especially, 
we need to be praying for them on a daily basis. Because it is through the power of prayer that God works. And it's an opportunity for us to show care and compassion for mothers. Here's a third practical way that I think we can show that mothers matter is we can encourage them. And I would say encourage them daily as well. The scripture says that we are to encourage one another. That passage in 1 Thessalonians also says not only are we to encourage one another, we are to build each other up. Mothers need encouragement. I, you know, I'm a dad. I'm sort of glad I'm not a mom. And, and the reason I'm not glad I'm not a mom is not for all the hassle that comes with being a mom. It has to deal with social media. You know, moms are always posting. You know, sometimes I talk to some of my friends and, and I hear about the struggle they're having, the, the wife is having with their kids and stuff. And the next thing you know, I get on social media and they're posting, oh, we have the most wonderful children and everything's all so beautiful. That, that's just not reality. We don't have Pinterest moms out there. Let's face it. And so we need to encourage mothers who are feeling enormous pressure that their kids have to be perfect, that their kids have to, to be A students so we can put a bumper sticker on our car that says, my child's an A student. There's just so much pressure that we feel today, and mothers feel it, and they need encouragement. The, the, the word encouragement has the word courage in it. And I see a lot of moms who are anxious and they're afraid and they're worried and they're concerned and they don't know if they can do it or not. And we need to encourage them. And again, you encourage them through notes. You encourage them through words of affirmation. You encourage them through cards. You encourage them in so many different ways. You encourage them with acts of kindness. And you show them the respect and honor that they deserve. We show care for them. We pray for them. We encourage them. And something we don't talk about enough in the church, we mentor them. We mentor them. Notice here in, in Titus 2.4, it says, Train younger women to love their husbands and children. One of the churches I was a part of, there was a group called Dorcas. And um, if you don't know, Dorcas is a name in the Bible, and she was known for ministering to the poor. And so this Dorcas group, what they were known for was basically teaching younger ladies how to sew and cook and do some of these things in the church, which is all great. But the problem with that perspective is, when you read scripture, notice what it says. Train them to love their husbands and to love their children. One of the things that people share with me about this church is there is so much wisdom in this group. And there is a lot of wisdom. I mean, we're, we're a church that's been around for over 50 years or right at 50 years. We have a school that's been around for 50 years. There's a lot of mothers that need to be mentored. 
They need to be trained. Yes, some of them may need to know how to sew and to cook, and they need some parenting help. But what they need is some godly women to come alongside them and say, this is what it looks like to love your husband even when he is not lovable. This is what it looks like to love your children even when they're not lovable. This is what it looks like to love your child who is a prodigal. This is what it looks like to love your child even though they're caught up in an addiction. And we need to look for ways to come alongside young mothers, especially, and befriend them, and encourage them, and pray for them. That's what mentoring is all about, and training them. That means showing them how it is done to live the Christian life. The last one sort of relates to our message last week, and that is we need to listen to them. The proverb says multiple times that children, especially sons it says, that's talking about children, are to listen to their mother's teaching. Well this assumes that we as mothers and fathers, we are to be teaching our children. We're not supposed to pass that on to someone else. We are responsible to teach our children. And when it talks about children and their response to their mother's teaching, they, t- they talk about two types of children. A wise son and a foolish son. Exactly the same message that Jesus gave last week when he talked about the wise builder and the foolish builder. The wise one is the obedient one. The wise one is the one who listens. The wise one is the one who takes correction. The wise one is the one who is ready to say, yes, mom, yes, dad. What is it that you want to teach me? And what breaks my heart is I see a lot of kids today, especially some in the teenage years or even younger, and there just is a a disrespect for moms and a disrespect for the wisdom that mom wants to share. And the scripture says one of the best ways you honor your mother is by listening to her teaching. We need to listen. Again, on social media, there's a, there's a saying out there right now. I pass it on to my children just sort of joking around. It says that, it, it says that the older son, who's usually the, the compliant one, is the one that causes the mom to brag. But then they have the second son who is the rebellious son and the strong-willed child which causes mothers not to judge other mothers. Have you seen that one out there? And you know, it's sort of funny and we laugh about it. But mothering is hard. And whether you have a strong-willed child or you have a rebellious child, the goal is the same. You are to teach them and to correct them and to show them the way of the Lord. One of the best ways you can be a son or daughter this morning, no matter your age, is still to ask mom for advice and to listen and to to know that they're sharing from their heart and from the love of a mother. And they're not trying to, to pin you down. They're trying to show you the way 
that you should go. The last two are not sort of related to practical tips for children. They're actually practical ways that we can give a gift to our children. And the first one is that husbands need to lovingly lead their wives. Notice what Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I've heard it over and over again. The best gift that we can give our children is a husband who loves his wife and a wife who respects her husband. And husbands, the way you make Mother's Day great is not by giving flowers or chocolates and all that, which is all important, or clothes, but that you are loving your wife 24-7. And you're loving her not just out of the way you feel she needs to be loved, you're loving her just as Christ loved us. And the way Christ loved us, he went to the cross and he suffered and died for us. And husbands, sometimes, and I'm a husband, sometimes we get in our own way. And we need to get out of the way. And we need to let Christ work in us and through us so that we can love our wives and lead them. As males, you're called to provide leadership, direction, navigation, tenderness. And you're to come alongside your wife, and especially if she has children, and you're supposed to lead the home. And that's the best Mother's Day gift you can give. And one of the guys I used to pastor with, we would always look in the eyes of a woman. And we would look in the eyes of the woman and say, is she loved? Is her husband loving her and nurturing her? And caring for her. And mothers, here's something I want you to think about. Here's the last point is you're to respectfully respond to your husbands. Whenever I have an opportunity to speak at a wedding and to officiate a wedding, I usually have a very similar message. One is that husbands are to love and to lead. And that women and the wife is to respond and respect. Paul says it this way. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Mothers, the best gift you can give your children is to respect their dad. To respond to him, to respond to his love, to respond to his leadership, to respond to his guidance. And some of you may be saying to me this morning, even going back to the mother, going back to the husband, going back to the father, going back to the daughter or the son, well, my situation is different. I would love and respect my wife or my husband if they would just change. But when Jesus was on the cross, he listed no qualifiers, no conditions. He didn't say, behold your mother. But if she's not a very good mother, forget about this. Paul 
When he says, children, honor and obey your parents, he doesn't say, unless they're really bad parents. He doesn't say to husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, if she's got all of her ducks in a row. He doesn't say anything about that. There's no qualifiers. And so this morning on Mother's Day, God is challenging all of us in some aspect to understand at the cross Jesus valued relationships and he valued the closest relationship and if you're struggling in any of those closest relationships you need to go to the cross because it's at the cross when we hear Jesus the clearest and it's when we're at the cross we sense his heart for what is really important And what is really important this morning is that we treat mothers, whether they're our own mother or not, we treat ladies with respect and honor and love.